0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Fish Tales, And I'm super excited to have Anj Yagi on the show for this very first episode. Anj is going to talk about the work he's done on this really awesome project called Engine Simulator. Anj, please introduce yourself.
1: All right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, hey, what's up, guys? My name is Anj, and uh, I'm not uh, I'm not that great at talking unscripted, to be honest. So. I'm, I'm not going to sound as as polished as I try to in my videos. Um, but yeah, I've been making videos for a while now. I created Engine Simulator, and uh, I just like to work on a bunch of interesting things. I don't know. I don't like to restrict myself. And yeah, that's pretty much what I am.
0: So you're doing a ton of C++ and low-level stuff, a lot of game engine stuff, and I have had no experience there. Um, I, I have some education in 3D graphics, and I didn't pursue that in my career. So how did you get started in, in the low-level stuff? How did you get into C++? How long have you been doing this? Like, how, What's your background here?
1: Um, hmm. So I started programming when I was like 12, I think. I don't remember exactly, but it was a long time ago. And I started in Python. I really wanted to make games. That was really what I wanted to do uh, like the, the usual beginning of the journey for a lot of software developers today. And yeah, my early games were really strange. I did like a lot of Python stuff. Eventually I sort of graduated to C++ and I've actually just been working on it kind of as a continuous effort since then. So like the engine simulator that I released, the graphics, are actually made using the same game engine that I started working on when I was in high school. It's actually like all the same projects since that time. And I just, uh, I use it as kind of like a code base to practice my skills and and uh, just try stuff out.
0: So that's great that you've been able to kind of like invest in yourself, invest in your toolkit, invest in this this engine. I don't think I have anything that is sort of, as they would say, long in the tooth, like that so have you have you had to do some major refactors as you've kind of grown and you learn new skills or you realize maybe things don't look the way you wish they looked have you undertaken some major refactors or you just kind of let it hang out as it is
1: um yeah there there have been definitely some instances where refactoring was necessary because obviously I did not start off as a really good programmer I don't even know if I'm a really good programmer now I just I like to make things work. That's really my main interest. Um, So yeah, like I don't, a lot of times I don't really care about best practices and that kind of thing. I just try to make something that I can use efficiently and it works well, and it doesn't like blow up immediately. Um, Engine simulator is a bit of a odd case because I really was not expecting anyone to use this. So like there's like no error checking. By software standards, it's it's an atrocity. Uh, but I, I really just I really just wanted to make one video with it, and I was I wasn't even going to use it again after that point. Um, so I wasn't expecting anyone to download it. I wasn't expecting to make too many more videos about it. It was just meant to be like a single project, and then I was just going to move on to the next thing. Um, but yeah, a lot of my older code is really bad. Um, it's kind of embarrassing, but I leave it up on my GitHub because why not? but I, I have i've definitely refactored stuff a few times i i seem to recall anyway
0: that's that's good though and it's good that you leave it up i mean we all start somewhere i my code i know is horrible and i feel like i i will say one thing that you said that i'm kind of the opposite i probably care too much about best practices and i think i let that get in the way of me just starting something and just doing something I played around with Godot and that was a thing. I was kind of like, well, how do what's the best way to do this in Godot? I couldn't just let go and just play and figure it out. It was kind of like, you know, hampering myself, getting ahead of myself, trying to figure out the right way to do something. So I hats off to you. I think that's great that you just jump in there and ship it. That's really good.
1: Yeah. Um I I actually I relate to that because I mean, in my earlier days as a software developer, especially for my side projects, I actually did care about best practices a lot. Um, And what I noticed over time, because I've obviously been programming for a very long time now, um, what I noticed is it just doesn't matter. Like, in the grand scheme of things of what you're working on, like, you can follow all the best practices. You can still write sloppy code. You're still going to have to refactor things. And I've just, I've noticed that, and I don't, I don't know if this is just because I have like a, a lot of experience by now that I can sort of cut corners like this and still have stuff work, but I've just noticed that by relaxing, um, that preoccupation with, with standards and coding practices, I was actually able to just get things done faster and, and, uh, create solutions that I think like work well, like they work decently and they're very simple to use and I don't know. I just, uh, I I started to lose interest in that whole world of, you know, design patterns and, and and that kind of stuff. I'm not saying it's useless, but I, I just, I'm not as interested
0: in it anymore these days. Well, on one side, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And on the other side, I think these things help with teams. They help with scaling. Yeah, definitely. That's not something you need when you're working on your projects. So I'm curious, so are you programming day to day? Is that your career as well?
1: Yeah, I'm a I'm a professional software developer.
0: And are you so working in C++ as
1: well day to day or something else? Um, so in my previous jobs, I actually did not do a lot of C++ development. But these days, um, I do actually do C++ development for my job.
0: Nice. That's good. I, I struggle a lot when I'm shifting gears. That if I'm going to work and I'm working in Python and then I at home, I should, I should, you know, I can't say when I come home since I'm working remote and I work from home. But then in, you know, later in the day, if I want to work on, you know, a side project, I want to do something not Python and and I love Go, but I find that it's like where I think it would make me more flexible. It actually wears me out because they're just different enough. The syntax is just different enough that I trip over myself a lot going between. you know, what would be in a day job, Python, JavaScript, TypeScript, HTML, CSS, doing web app, and then coming to try to do something, you know, lower level, even in Godot. Same thing in Godot. uh, The Godot scripting language, it looks like Python, and it basically is Python until that certain part that's not Python. And then that trips me up.
1: Yeah, I, uh, in general, I just don't like high level programming. I'm not saying that it's it's useless necessarily but it just um i I don't know why but i find that it takes a different kind of skill set to be very functional in something like java like i feel like you have to not only do you have to understand programming in general you have to then add this extra layer of understanding all these libraries that come with what you're trying to use and that is a skill in and of itself and some people are very good at it I am not, and I just can't, that is not my strength when it comes to programming. I just, uh, someone will present like a library to me and like, they'll be like, oh, this is the most amazing thing ever. It's cutting edge. And I just don't get it. I don't want to get it. Like I would honestly rather just write it from scratch. Even if my solution is worse, I just, um, I, I don't know. I, I, tend to get sort of, um, it reduces the fun of programming for me to do things like that. So like I get it, I can do it. I am, I can be functional in that role, but it's really not my preference. That's where I get sort of twisted up, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. That's interesting you use the word fun too, because something I've noticed about where I'm at in my career now is that things are not fun anymore. And I know work is work. And there's that, you know, the whole adage about like, well, you know, if it wasn't work, they'd call it fun. Like, they don't call it fun, they call it work. Yeah. But I do miss that. I miss the pure excitement of programming, and I'm, I'm hoping to rekindle that and rediscover that in the coming months and yeah. kind of get away from this uh, box that I've put myself in, caring so much about the standards and caring so much about frameworks and libraries. But enough about that. So let's talk about Engine Simulator. So you brought it up a couple times. Um, let's dig in. So I found this, and I discovered you, I threw a post on Hacker News a few months ago. It was like, you know, like 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday or a Sunday. And I, I find this post and I watch this video and I see this kind of sliced uh, cutout of an engine doing some stuff. And it says, you know, these kind of crazy numbers that are hard for me to fathom. It's running at, I think it was, is it 80 megahertz? Is that right? It's sampling at and producing um, sound and.
1: Yeah, 80 kilohertz, I think kilohertz. for the audio yeah. generation.
0: And yeah, and so it's generating audio. It's simulating an engine and it's generating audio. And I was blown away and I joined your Discord. And yeah, this thing has taken on a life of its own. So, but let's start about this the origin. So what made you make this? Where 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 were you at? And you were just like, I'm going to write a, an engine simulator, especially the way that you approached it.
1: Uh, yeah, okay. So basically what happened is uh, I've always been interested in cars. I was actually going to be, or my plan was I wanted to be an automotive engineer that did not pan out for some reason, cause I got into software. Um, but that was, that was my original career path that I wanted to take. And I haven't really done anything with that interest recently. Um, and I actually didn't even own any vehicle until recently. Um, in fact, the first car that I ever bought was a 1974 Corvette. And I, I bought that with my brother. And it was sort of with the intention of fixing it up. And like, you know, we figured like we have engineering degrees, like we should be able to do this. Um, It was a bit of a rabbit hole, to be honest, like that whole, It was really fun, like learning how to how to fix stuff and just work on cars. So one thing in particular that was very uh, perplexing was the engine in this vehicle. And it just never worked right. like there was on the surface, like there was just nothing wrong with it, but it just didn't work right for some reason. And we called it the demon motor. Um, And it caused us a lot of frustration basically. And a few, when was this now? A few months ago, probably actually, no, even more like a year ago or something like that. We were like, okay, this engine is coming out. Like we're just going to rebuild. We're going to, we're going to build like an entire engine from scratch, like for this vehicle. So we pulled the engine out removed all the components and we did like basically a complete rebuild of this engine. So it was bored, like new crankshaft, new pistons, new rods, basically everything from scratch. Um, now the in, in principle, like engines are very simple, but when you actually go to build one from scratch, you realize there are like a lot of details that you have to take into consideration. And I put like a lot of time into this project. And uh, kind of at the end of it, like we had finished the engine, it worked it ran it like didn't explode or anything. And I was sort of thinking to myself like okay, I've put in a lot of time into this project, put in a lot of money into this project because like, these things are like money pits obviously
0: sure. and
1: I don't really have anything to show for myself like I can't just, Cause I have a programming channel. Like I'm not going to be like, Hey guys, here's my vlog about like renovating my classic car. I was like nothing to do with my content. Um, and the only solution that I think of to that is what if I take my interest in simulations and I take all this knowledge that I've accumulated about engines and I put it together and I make an engine simulator. And originally it was meant to be like a very simplistic project. Um, I didn't even consider, the possibility of making it generate audio because I just thought it would be too difficult. Um, So originally, I just wanted to make it so that like, all I want to see is an engine on the screen. If I open the throttle plate, I want to see it change speed. And that's it. Like, I just, I want to see like a full, uh, what's what's the word? Like just more or less complete simulation that actually works in real time. Anyway, things things escalated very quickly, and uh, and I decided that like no one's going to watch this video if there's no audio. I can already tell, and it's just not going to be that statement that I want it to be. So that was when I decided like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take like a risk on this project. I didn't know if it would work. I didn't know like. In fact, like if you look in the the history on the GitHub repository, I think the readme for like five months just read "I have no idea if this will work" or like something like that. Um, So yeah, I had no idea if it would work. I put in like a few hundred hours into this project, and uh, at some point, it started like actually sounding good, and I was like, "Okay, this is this could really be like this could be my video. This could this could be uh, what sort of puts my channel on the map." Um, and yeah, then I released the video, it it did way better than I was anticipating. I didn't think that there would be that much interest in it. Um, and yeah, here we are today.
0: Well, so if you don't mind, you know, answering the questions about it, I discovered the project and I looked at the code. I opened the repo and it was that afternoon and I think it was that afternoon, but I had opened the repo and then the next thing I knew is the repo was gone. Yeah. And so. I went into Discord and people were talking about it, and and there was a comment I think from you. You had said you wanted to figure out licensing, or maybe somebody had brought up licensing. But it, of course, there was this whole peanut gallery of people now that looked like they don't know you. They're they're you know flooding into your Discord server and they're then giving you all these opinions. Where's your code? License it this way. Do that. So what kind of happened? What well, where was your head at? And you know what made you take it down and what made you put it back?
1: Yeah, this was a, this was a complete mess. Not a lot of people know like the full story about this. Um, so this is a good opportunity for me, you know, to get the story out there. So basically what happened was I released the video. I said at the end of the video, the code is open source, which is true. And it was open source since I started on it. It's always been open source and it was there the entire time. Just no one cared about it. So then I've released the video. Nothing really happened initially, but at some point, like it got picked up by the algorithm and just thousands of views started coming in. And at that time, I was doing something. I think I was, so I was replacing the brakes on my car. Like I was working and I just didn't have time for this. And that's when things started going like really insane. Uh, My Discord had about, I think it was 60 or 90 people in it at the time that my video went up. So there was like literally no one in there. It was like, it was a ghost town and immediately people just started flooding in. And like, I think we got raided once with people just like spamming at everyone, which I didn't disable because it was not necessary up to that point. My discord had been up for like a year at that point. And, and there was just like a few messages a week sometimes. Um, so yeah, what happened was. I got, I started receiving like a lot of emails from people, uh, like software developers at, uh, at games started emailing me and I like, I'm not going to say exactly who these people were, sure. but let's just say yeah. like a lot of people had asked for these people to reach out to me and they did apparently. So I started receiving emails from game companies, which had obviously never happened to me before. And they all thought I was crazy. Like, you know, like, well, you better take this down because people are going to steal it. Like I started second guessing myself because I honestly did not think that it was a big deal that I left this open source. Um, I just, I thought that game companies already had something like this and I just didn't think that it was a big deal. Like I just, I thought no one would care about it is what I'm saying. Um, and I wanted to leave it up there both to prove that I actually did make it myself. And because. Like I want people to learn from it. That was my whole intention with making the video. Anyway, I started second guessing myself. I did get a few offers of people wanting to buy the code. Um, and you you know, like there, there was a lot of things that came in all at once and I just didn't know what to do. And then on top of that, so you, you compound a, or a, a complicating factor is as this is all going on, there was no, uh, there was no executable released at that time. So people wanted to use it, which I was not anticipating. I had not made any releases up to that point. So all you have is a bunch of people thinking that the build steps for the, for the, the GitHub repo, people thought that those were installation instructions for the game, which I, again, it's not, I did not intend for it to be a game that people install this way. So I'm getting like I'm I'm getting flooded with messages from people who don't know anything about programming. They've like, okay, so I've downloaded CMake and they're doing like a bunch of crazy stuff trying to install this game. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> and it was just it was just a complete mess. And and I just I did not have time to deal with it. Like I was I was literally like my hands were covered in grease. I was like, you know, under the car and my discord is getting raided and like people are emailing me and messaging me and it was just too out of control. So I just thought like, I'm just going to take this down temporarily. And I did mean temporarily, like I even left a comment on my video, like this is temporarily offline or the, uh, I've, I've temporarily made the code base private, um, which I wasn't happy about because I, I think the the repo had like 30 stars on it. That was, this was like a big deal for me at the time. It was like six and a half thousand stars now. But at that time, like it had like 30 stars on it. I was really disappointed about having to make it private. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I made it private just because I just couldn't, I didn't have time to deal with it. And then like people started accusing me of a lot of different things, like all over the internet on like different discussion boards and stuff. Like some people accused me of getting a patent strike because I had like ripped something off without crediting people. And some people accused me of wanting to sell it to a game company, which was obviously not what I was doing. And it's like the the accusations were pretty wild from a lot of different people. Um, Or some people like just thought it was fake. Like they thought I had just uh, exaggerated what the program does. And I don't know how that works exactly. Cause like, clearly it's not a real sound. Like s- the sound had to come from somewhere, but they thought that it was just, I had exaggerated what it does. And anyway, this story is getting kind of long, but that's kind of what happened. Like it just too many things happened all at once. I took the code base down to like figure things out and to just get people to stop hassling me about this. Um, and yeah, like the a few days later, I think I was only down for not, I don't think it was down for that long. And, uh, I just decided that I'm just going to stick to my original plan. I'm just going to keep it open source. I'm going to create a release so people can download and use it. Um, and that was it. I just left it an MIT license, which was kind of like my original plan. And, um, that's how it is today.
0: I feel like it was down for three days, maybe. It wasn't long. It wasn't long at all. I don't think it was a week. I mean, yeah. you, you could correct me if you remember better. But what I think is interesting for me, for this whole situation, what I experienced, is I joined a bunch of Discord servers, and I, I track projects that I'm interested in. I, I joined their servers, and I, I joined your server, and I looked around. You know, you said you were under the car that day working. You have grease in your hands. Like, you posted a picture. That day, I don't remember what you were doing, and it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know you, you don't know yeah. me, but it's this window into your life. And you had posted a picture, you're like, and I forget the cap, you, you had just something like, Okay, boys, the engine's going in today, or, or something engine oh, yeah. transmission, that's you what were, we were doing, yeah. And and it just goes from that to, yeah, the server, the Discord server just exploding with people. And what are you up to now? Do you know, is there like 4000 people in there? More?
1: Uh I think there's about 11,000 people now. Wow.
0: 11,000 people and this is in the span of what 3 months, 4 months?
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: So, an entire ecosystem has now cropped up around your project. There is a there's a website. There are web tools that let you Uh, share engines, these, the, the, when you create an engine and I've looked at the engine files, I have not had, I shouldn't say I haven't had time, like all things in life. I have not prioritized learning the, the format to make the engine files and, and all that stuff. But I saw like there are now tools to help you generate the engine files and people are sharing the engine files. So how, what's that been like from just a community building standpoint, uh were you excited to see people you know kind of run with your stuff or did it kind of trigger maybe like some control issues we're like okay well let's let's wait a second what are you doing why are you making a thing to share all this stuff um it was a bit of all of the above actually so
1: yeah a lot of the tools and and the the website where people sort of share their creations i did not make that um that was actually a people in my discord so jim ckf is uh He's like a professional developer and he put a lot of that together. So he gets the credit for that. Um, I think that, so there, there are two things or two effects I would say from all of this happening. I still remember the first time that, or when things started taking off and I remember people had set up kind of um how would you describe it? Like, like basically one of the channels in my discord had been hijacked for the purposes of like people helping each other, trying to get the simulator to work. Yep. And I saw people like figuring out how to use my programming language, because that's what I used as the input, like to, it, it's like a basic scripting language that I wrote and it's how you specify the engine configuration.
0: And this is piranha. And, is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and, and there were people like, explaining to each other, like how it worked and like how this, you know, what the correct syntax is supposed to be this, like, this was like one of the most wild things that I had ever seen. Like, I never imagined that there would be people actually trying to use this useless programming language that I made, but there was like a whole channel about this. I thought that it was pretty cool overall. I think the only thing that I would say is kind of negative about it, which I don't know if I would say that it's completely negative is. Obviously, when you get to that point, there's always like the, some sort of counterbalance, or like people come in claiming that you uh, like your work is bad, or like you know, th- there's like a whole like hater kind of sure. thing going on, which I had never had to deal with before. Um, because I think in the entire history of my channel, which had been, I my channel had been up for two years at the time that I put up that video. Uh, I don't think I'd ever received like a single hate comment in that whole time. And now all of a sudden there were people coming in just, it was just, it was not like, it was not something that I was used to. And people just like making useless criticisms of my code, which ordinarily I don't mind people like criticizing my code or like providing suggestions, but it's just the way that they were providing it was almost like I was not a real person. Like people just assumed that I was, that I had always had 80,000 subscribers and I was just some sort of YouTuber, which I'm not up until I released the video. I think I had like 2000 subscribers, actually 3000, something like that at that time. So like this was completely new to me and it took some getting used to, but yeah, overall it was pretty positive. I think
0: I don't want to beat the community aspect of this to death, but I think it is. it was fantastic and amazing to be a part of your community, uh, at least as an observer and watching this happen. Uh, you know, and experiencing it for myself. And I'm curious while we're talking about engine simulator. So I work in Python. I, I tinker with go. I did C plus plus literally like 20 years ago. And I don't remember much of it. Of course I see C plus plus code around. So you're working in C plus uh, plus you're working in the engine simulator. You've got your, your language piranha that you're working with. So, you had done some of the visuals and you said you saw the visuals on the screen and you thought nobody's going to watch this video if there's no sound. Yeah. So what's the first step that you take to adding sound? Is it generating a waveform that you can play? Is Or is it like getting a sample, getting a wave file somewhere that already has a sample that you're playing? Like, how do you even start? I don't even know how to start something like that.
1: Uh, Yeah. So basically it was kind of an interesting journey to get to that point because I had never worked on sound synthesis before this point. I'd never even written any like sound or audio processing code before. So obviously the first thing that I did was I tried to find some resources online for procedurally generating engine audio. I could not find any. Um, The only research paper that I found said something to the effect of no one even knows what AAA companies do on the inside. Like, like no one really, no one knows it. publicly, there's not a lot of information about this to be found. So that was pretty useless. Um, I, I have known about like the, the traditional technique for doing this is you just take some real samples and you just sort of play them on a loop and then you interpolate between those samples as your RPM changes. Uh, I don't like that approach too much because I just, I don't think it sounds right, but this is like the most common, uh, approach that is used. So I've kind of, I wasn't really sure how to go about this. So all I, my reasoning was if I stick as close as possible to like the physical principles that goes into this, I should at least be able to generate something. Like it might not be good, but. Um, the closer that I can get to the physical reality, the more likely it will be that I can actually generate a reasonable sound. So um, basically the way that it works, and I'm actually working on a video right now, which is like the technical explanation um, of how all this works, probably by the time this comes out, it would have already released a while ago. Um, but basically the, the idea is that you take an engine, you split it up into sort of a discrete um, how would you call it exactly? A discrete volumes. And inside of each of those discrete volumes, they have uh, like a temperature and a pressure and a overall velocity of the air moving inside them. You basically take the problem of fluid simulation and you simplify it as much as possible, making sure that it still like conserves energy and it follows the laws of thermodynamics and that kind of stuff. Um, so the, the actual operation of the engine is as close as I could get with also making it performant to how it works in real life. Like it actually, the piston moves down. It actually does like suck air into it. There, there, it does track the number of molecules of air in the cylinder at any given time. It does the compression stroke, the, the actual, um, the ignition it's a little complicated, but I, I tried to follow, like, you know, reasonably close the, the literature on this. And this is not from, uh, like, th- this is from, like, an internal combustion engine textbook. Like, these are just things that engineers would use.
0: Okay, are um, these voxels that you treat this as, like, the molecules? Or is it, are they, is it you know, kind of similar to voxels? Or how, is it just... I'm trying to just imagine how I would even structure this as a programmer. Do I have, you know, just this effectively an array of molecule objects? Do I have just, or is mass rep- represented just in a formulaic manner at this point?
1: Yeah, the, the math is, um, it's more statistical. Like there aren't any um, air particles or okay. anything like that. It's not that kind of simulation. It's very, um, it uses like a high level Approach sort of abstract away all of those details. So, for that reason, I and I don't even know if this would be feasible in real time. Probably not. Like it doesn't actually simulate the detailed like turbulence or the movement of air. Um, Sure, sure. It just it's very like high level flow that kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, Okay. And yeah, so basically the the cylinder ignites, air expands, and then obviously when the um, when the exhaust valve opens, that air rushes into the exhaust system and it's actually that pressure pulse that I sample directly and I just send it to the audio engine. Um, and that step of going from here is, here is like airflow, make audio out of that. I could not find a lot of resources on this because I don't think this has been done very many times. Like and it doesn't seem like a problem that, um, a lot of, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's not a common question. (laughs) Like how do you take this airflow and convert it to an audio signal? So I couldn't find a lot of information about this. The closest thing that I could find was a really old research paper from the seventies about, um, lawnmower engine, uh, noise pollution. And this was actually like a really good research paper and, It goes into a lot of detail about the uh where the actual sound comes from in a combustion engine like a lot of people i notice in the comments we're not even sure like some people think that it's it's literally the mechanical noise of the engine some people think that it's the actual the the quote unquote explosion that causes the noise none of these things are actually true like most of the exhaust noise is literally just airflow um and that's the reason why even if you cut ignition to your engine, like it still makes sound. There's no explosion happening anymore, but it's still going to make sound. Even like if you're revving at like six thousand RPM and you cut ignition, it's not just going to be silent. Um, there's still air sort of flowing through that system. Sure, um, gotcha. Okay. So yeah, the air flows through the exhaust. That creates like a, a pressure wave, and there are certain things that or certain heuristics um, that I use to sort of get that sound a little bit closer to how people would ordinarily expect. So the first thing is you can sort of do almost a convolution reverb, uh, within the exhaust system, because obviously simulating the sound propagation through a pipe in real time, not sure if that's doable, but you can sort of collapse all of those details into an impulse response. And an impulse response is just like a few hundred samples of audio. It's very like, it doesn't sound much like anything. Just sounds like a, a, click almost. And, uh, that's it. Like that's actually the only audio that is fed into the system. And you can generate that click using, um, just, I, I think the way that I did it, the actually, so in the first video that I released the, the one that has like the most views, the impulse response that I used in that was a very short audio clip of me tapping an acoustic guitar.
0: That's interesting. Okay. So,
1: like this, and and j- that was just like to get the resonance because I didn't have anything else that that would, uh, um, I didn't have anything else that had that sort of resonance that I wanted for what I was trying to simulate. Um, and, and that's it, pretty much. Like you run it through that convolution reverb, and I added a bit of noise, like white noise, to sort of account for things like turbulence. Um, and, and I couldn't find a lot of information about this either, but I think it makes sense that if you have like a lot of turbulence, um, it just generates like a sort of random, you know, random, uh, range of frequencies, which sort of resembles noise. That was, that was my, my reasoning be- behind that. And that's pretty much all the process in, that goes into it. And that's how it generates the audio.
0: So inside engine sim right now is there any gpu code or is it all running on the cpu it uh, all runs on the cpu do you think there is you were talking about you know maybe simulating some of the more advanced stuff real time do you think there are any performance wins to pushing this off or is at this case is the gpu even a slowdown because you have to prep data and get it over to the gpu before you can even use it
1: yeah, I'm actually not sure. I mean, I'm sure there are ways of uh, of optimizing. That's kind of what I'm working on now as part of like the next gen engine simulator. But the the problem with this kind of simulation is that it's uh, how do I explain this? All of the parts are interrelated. Like it's actually not a trivially, it's not it's not a trivial problem to parallelize, I always find this word very difficult. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a parallel problem. Um, because even though like each of the combustion chambers is isolated, they all, um, depending on the engine, obviously like they, they all take air from a common intake. So that automatically adds like a relationship between them. They're connected to a common crankshaft. So it's, you can't like a lot of people said like, well, why don't you just make it so that of the cylinders run in a separate thread. Well, it's, it's not that easy. Like they're, they're part of the same system. They're both part of the same like fluid system. And they're also rigidly connected together and they're part of the same physical system, you know? And then even if you were to find a way to offload some of that, uh, some of the processing for each of the cylinders to a separate thread, then you have to synchronize them. There's a lot of loss in that. And it's just, I don't know. Like I, I would have to do a little bit more testing to see whether you can get more performance on a GPU. But it's, it's not a trivial problem to solve. I would say.
0: And did you drop down to assembly for anything in here?
1: No, uh, not really. I didn't really find that that was necessary.
0: Yeah, this is the thing that in my my career, I'm all high level stuff. As I said, in my career, I've I've yet to ever reach. I have had problems that I've reached for the GPU and I've used CUDA or I've used OpenCL or similar uh, libraries and tools and and made use of that, even from Python, of course, uh, often reach for things like NumPy uh, or Pandas that will speed up things that I'm working on in Python, but I've never reached that point. And I don't even think I have the right intuition because I do not have a comp sci degree, so I don't think I even have that intuition of when I would even reach for something that low level. To understand what performance it's actually buying me to try to go that low level, apologies if that was a dumb question, but I just have no context
1: no definitely not yeah i mean there there are definitely some problems where like a gpu is clearly like this is the way to go, usually on problems that are very parallel, the main so I had to do actually quite a lot of optimization for this because when i first started on the project it was clearly not feasible like it was so beyond the realm of running in real time and that, that was really like my, my requirement like i'm not i would not consider this project a success if it didn't run in real time because i want to interact with it or else it just, it just kind of defeats the purpose for me sure and i think when i first started it was about 10 times too slow to even be close to like, even right now, uh, with like a, with eight cylinders, it like my CPU is maxed. Like it cannot do any more than that, uh, without lowering the resolution. So, but when I started, it was like a more than an order of magnitude too slow. And I had to do like a lot of different optimizations, um, to get it to sort of where it is now. And, uh, yeah, like a lot of the, like that, that physics engine. So the, the video that sort of preceded the engine simulator video was the one specifically about the physics engine, which I did actually end up using in, um, in engine simulator, but that code was definitely not up to the task of, of running this. So I had to, I had to make quite a few modifications to it. Um, but yeah, it's always a process, I guess, to get it better.
0: Is this the, um, your physics engine, um, that's the simple 2d constraint solver repo. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's shift for a second, you know, cause as, as things go on, I don't want to, you know, take up all your time, but I'm curious cause you had a lot of interesting stuff, uh, in your GitHub repo. And so I'm, I'm curious if I can pick your brain about manta ray as well. Sure. Um, and I've never written a renderer. I've never even done the, you know, ray tracing in a weekend or any of that stuff. I know the concepts but I've never actually implemented them. And it's on my to-do list to do in the next couple months. So how long has that been in development Manta Ray?
1: I haven't worked on it too much recently. I started working on that like quite a long time ago now. And I don't remember exactly what prompted me to start doing that, but I think I spent like definitely a few months on it. If I remember correctly,
0: it looks really, really nice. Is it all ray tracing? Is it doing global illumination with ray tracing? Is that how it's it's working? And it may say in the in the README and I just didn't see it.
1: Uh, yeah, it just uses so it's a normal path tracer.
0: So I'm gonna add this to my list. I may may look for inspiration. And then I do see at least in GitHub's summary, there's 1.7% Python in the manta ray renderer what what prompted you to write a renderer what were you doing when you were like i'm gonna write a, a, a ray tracer i'm gonna write my own little rendering engine what where were you what were you thinking what was going on when you did this
1: hmm, that was so that was so long ago i don't even remember like i think okay i think i kind of remember so i always thought that ray tracers were this extremely complex you know this extremely complex area that that was outside of what I could ever understand. And I didn't really know much about them at that time, but one day I just decided that I'm going to try it and see what happens. And that things escalated quickly because then I just, I wanted to, like I I wanted to add more and more stuff and learn more and more things. Because originally, it started off with i just want to render some spheres it, it looks really cool you know like i feel like that would look cool on a resume like hey look i rendered this these spheres then it was like no the spheres are boring i want to render like a teapot and then it just it escalated more and more <laughs> to the point where i rendered like an entire car and sort of the interesting thing is around that time i was actually doing some freelance work as a 3D modeler, which is extremely random. And and that's like, so kind of like a recurring theme with my channel. I I don't really talk about it that much on the channel because I haven't figured out how to like, you know, work it into my content. But like one of my goals is to always take something that I previously failed at and then actually do it eventually. So when I was younger, I tried to model a car because I thought that would be really cool. It was a complete failure. And I was just really bad at modeling in general. Like I, I've never had sort of, I, I don't have natural artistic ability, I would say. And I was especially bad at it before. And the odd thing is that when I started working on this ray tracer, I realized as I was working on it, like, oh, I need some test geometry to, to render some stuff. And I realized that, it, it's strange. I, like I realized the problems with my modeling Via trying to create cool renders with my ray tracer, I was like, no, that doesn't show this thing that I wanted to show off. My ray tracer, this looks awful. People are going to think my ray tracer is bad. And I actually became a much better, uh, like 3D modeler as a result of this whole process, which is kind of strange. And I actually made like, I didn't, I was not like a successful uh, artist by any stretch of the imagination, but I actually made like a bit of money and I got like some jobs from that. So I don't know, it was just a weird like combination of I just want to prove to myself that I can do this. I want to prove that I can make the art, I can do the ray tracing, I can I can wrap my head around the math. And yeah, it was just like a personal challenge for me, basically.
0: I pulled up the bottom of the README. So I did scroll through the README while you were explaining it. And I did see. So you have a tutorial in here. You have some steps for getting started. Um, so I see here you're using Blender is that was that your tool of choice is that still your tool of choice for modeling and such is it blender or have you moved on to other things have you tried zbrush and those sorts of tools it looks like everything you were doing was kind of hard surface modeling
1: yeah like I, I i haven't really moved that far beyond just hard surface modeling and pretty much all the work that i do is in blender i used like autodesk long time ago or 3ds max I think when I was in school and I got it for free, I used it a little bit back then. But Blender is like a really good tool now compared to what it used to be at that time. It's Blender is really like,
0: phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it's it's developed significantly since then.
0: Yeah, it has came very far. Yeah. Uh this is great. So I'm I'm totally gonna check this out. Um I'm gonna add this to my, my to-do list. So I think it's interesting that there there is a thread with all of these things that you're you're chasing after the optimization, you're chasing after things that are math heavy, that they are complex. Uh, you mentioned when you're talking about engine simulator, you mentioned the graphic side this and the simulation side. So when you said simulation, were you referring to your physics uh, constraint-based physics simulator or have you done other simulation-based software? So,
1: yeah, th- I mean, that's like obviously the most recognizable one now, but I've worked on other much worse simulations in the past. And like a ray tracer is a simulation of sorts. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it has like, um, it has a lot in common with a, with a lot of other kinds of simulators. I made a video about like diffraction that was sort of simulation based. And it's, that was like another thing where I, I wanted to solve, or I wanted to answer a question that I could never have like I never had a reasonable answer to like I, I like you know how when you look at like a a bright light or or a headlight or something and there's just like spikes coming off of it for some unknown reason I couldn't really I didn't know what caused that and I didn't have a good answer for it so I was like I'm going to simulate this and I I want to make it as real as possible and so I like I, I did that simulation sort of like a diffraction of it, it simulates, like, the diffraction of light through your pupil. And yeah, like, uh, a lot of the, uh, they're not on my GitHub because they're just, they're so old, and they're actually, like, way too bad to put. I might, I might make a video about them at some point. But, like, I I wrote a lot of stuff in Python when I was younger, and a lot of my games were kind of simulation games, but not completely. Like, I worked on a game called Ant World, and unsurprisingly, you're an ant, In a world, and you like collect (laughs) stuff and do like other ant things, and it just like that was like another situation where one of my projects just escalated totally out of control. And by the end of it, it was like a freaking GTA for ants. Like (laughs) it's not good. Like it's really like not a good game. The graphics are horrible, and it doesn't work great. But you know, you, you can get arrested by the ant police. And, I, and you can, like, be put in jail. And, like, it, I, I was so young that I didn't really understand, like, gameplay or anything. So when you get put in jail, like, you're literally in jail, and you can't escape until your term is done. So I considered that a simulation-type game. It doesn't simulate anything real, but it tries to be as realistic as possible. Like take as many things into consideration as possible. Like, it has an economy, it has a... Uh, uh, there were vehicles like you could drive like leaf cars or whatever and yeah like I just I like creating things that have a lot of detail and are simulation-esque I don't know if that makes sense
0: yeah it does make sense I was talking to uh, a friend of mine and we were talking about games the games we like to play and I'm attracted to games that are not highly creative and he had some terminology for uh, the type of story where it's a, an emergent story. So it's not that it's telling a story. It's that you're living in this world and you're ex- you're experiencing it and the kind of making up your own story as you go. Kind of the Minecraft experience. Right. And so I don't know if you relate to that or not, but I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of simulator experiences, flight simulator, Minecraft, and those sorts of games that are kind of open-ended, do-your-own-thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've... um. It's weird because my channel is supposed to be about game development, but I'm actually not a gamer. Like, I I almost never play video games. Um, I I play, like, and the video games that I do play are, yeah, pretty much only simulation-based. I play, like, Minecraft sometimes just because I like the... I almost treat it as, uh, I guess, a lot of other people treat it this way, too, but almost like a 3D pixel... Uh, pixel art game where you can, like, make cool stuff. I, I like the sure. the building aspect of it. And, uh, yeah, when I was younger, I played a lot of Flight Simulator, SimCity, basically just, like, exclusively simulation games. So, yeah, definitely I, I can relate to that.
0: Did you try Kerbal Space Program?
1: No, I've, I've heard of it, and I've seen, a, like, it's obviously a pretty common fixture of YouTube, I would say, today, but I've actually never tried it.
0: I think based off this conversation, you should try it at some point. Yeah. Have you done any other orbital mechanics simulations or, or such? Cause if you haven't, that, that could be the thing to, to play with and experiment and see if you enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Nothing overly complicated, but I I'll have to try it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious, actually. I, I feel like, um, with a lot of these construction games, they have like a similar theme. Or not, not construction games exactly, but, but games where you have to design and build something. They're very, I think that they kind of bring people back because they either try to break the game or they try to do like increasingly ridiculous things with them and it creates like a lot of opportunity for content. I, I wasn't expecting people to use Engine Simulator for this purpose. But like very quickly after I released it, the like meme engine started coming out and that's when I realized like there could actually be (laughs) some potential for this, but I was not anticipating that. Um, yeah.
0: I feel like, did you ever play Gary's mod? Did you play half-life two or play Gary's mod? No, Gary's mod was that so half-life two had. The realistic physics simulation, and that was kind of its big claim to fame when it came out. Or that's the part I remember—just you know, all this physics that it could do. And Gary's mod was built on the I uh, guess what is the Source 2 engine, and that's the whole game is just this physics sandbox. And you can get in and play with other people, and they've built all kinds of you know tools and everything that let you you know pin objects in the world. So you kind of have this manipulator tool that you can move objects around. Anyways, it was a blast. I I may be misremembering, but I feel like that gave birth to the Prop Hunt series of games. It may just be that it was around that time, and that's why I remember it. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed Have you ever played a Prop Hunt game by chance?
1: No, not really. I'm like very much, I don't know a lot of the lore about games, as you can
0: probably tell. Well, do you know what Prop Hunt is? Do you know what I'm talking about, or should I explain it? I maybe explain it. <laughs> just okay, so yeah. We're going to be sure. Um, yeah, so you, you get in these games, and you become an object, like a box, in the game, and every, like, let's say you're a crate, you're playing in, in like, the Half-Life 2 type of world, you become a crate, and so you hide in a corner, uh, in a room, and every so often, I don't know if it's every 30 seconds or something, I may be thinking of how they did it with Call of Duty, but every so often, you're you make a sound. And then there is the person that's you're effectively hide and seek. So the person's running around trying to find the people that are actually objects, and you're you know you'll whistle or something, and so people can kind of like stop and they can listen. Okay, where did that come from? And they can go up and try to figure out. Okay, is this box? You know, somebody that's hiding, and they are hilarious. I have so much fun playing those games. So yeah, prop hunt.
1: That is, int- I, yeah, I've never heard of it for some reason, but it does sound like. It's like one of those things where I can imagine if you pitched this idea to an executive they'd be like that's that's not a game like there's no way I'm going to be putting money into this project but it's like uh, I've noticed a lot of wildly successful games are not things that you would immediately assume you know would be good games like they're not things that would come to mind as like oh yeah that's a great game concept but they sort of take a life of their own when uh, when sort of a community gets their hands on this.
0: All right, before we wrap up, I want to go in a little bit of a different direction and just, like, ask you to get your rundown on your tooling and your setup. Are you Windows, Linux, Mac?
1: Um, I use pretty much Windows exclusively, and people make fun of me for it all the time. But, yeah, Windows.
0: Windows, and go-to editor, then, is Visual Studio, like the old-school, like, caffeinated the real deal, Visual Studio, or are you using something else, Visual Studio Code, or?
1: Yeah, I usually just use a normal Visual Studio.
0: And if you're Windows, Visual Studio, C++, are you intimately familiar at this point with, like, Windows operating system internals and, like, the NT kernel and syscalls, or do you kind of get to skip all that? Does, does you know, the low-level work with C++ let you kind of I don't know, jump around and just kind of only care about the very basic syscalls. I know nothing because this is, again, this is why I love talking to you. I know nothing about Windows development. I'm sitting on a Windows on a PC right now. i mean been doing more on a PC, but I know Linux syscalls and I understand Linux, you know, system and kernel architecture, but I Windows this is a black box to me.
1: So I've done some very basic, uh, what's the, like like using just the the Win32 API just to like do window creation, that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not much of a, like, I'm not an expert in operating system type stuff. So I don't usually look very deeply into that. It's not really something that interests me that much, but yeah, most of the code that I write is not directly related or it doesn't interact directly with the operating system at that level.
0: Gotcha. You're able to bypass it. Not doing like, you know, yeah, not doing systems programming and certainly not it's not with me rowing this boat when web application land. Well, yeah. is there anything else
1: you want to discuss while we're on here? The, I guess the only other thing that I can think of is this is sort of, it's, it's a little bit frustrating for me because the current state of the engine simulator is not something that I would ever publish. If that makes sense. Like, you know, like the intention was obviously different from what it's sort of evolved into. So these days I'm kind of working on, I'm actually working on making a proper version of engine simulator. It's going to have like a much more polished interface. People don't have to learn my obscure programming language just to use it and uh, that kind of thing. So yeah. And like, well, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what happens because my channel was never intended or my YouTube channel was never intended to be like engine simulator. And I don't want to be this like one-hit wonder of like, oh, that's the engine simulator guy. So, I'm trying to like figure out how to move away from that while also like finishing the project and it's it's like a it's like a pretty complicated thing. Well, I guess we'll we'll see what happens. Hopefully the the final release is going to be a lot more um usable. <laughs> Usable, is definitely the word that I'm looking for. Than, than the current version. Then I'll just move on to working on other projects, like my original plan.
0: Uh, any teasers for what you might do next, or is this top secret?
1: There, yeah, there's not too much that's like top secret. So basically, it's going to be 3D. That's the first thing, and I've I've already started like mocking up what kind of shaders I'm going to use and how it's going to look because there, there there are some things that are easier to do in 2D, but the 3D is is gonna have a lot of advantages because you'll actually be able to uh, see the airflow. So uh, one thing that I'm working on now for my next video that I'm gonna be putting out is I've taken all of the fluid simulation code from engine simulator, and I put it into sort of like a sandbox uh, user interface just to show people how it works, added like a visualization so you can see air particles moving and I feel like it'll be really satisfying in the final version where you can actually see like the exhaust scavenging. You can see the airflow through the runners and like how it affects the velocity and that kind of thing. Cause like all the, the annoying thing is that all of that processing is already there. You just can't see it. It's just a limitation of, of the, uh, of the user interface. So I think it's going to be really cool. And uh, one of the, like I, one of the things that I find kind of funny is that, if I had told someone a few months ago that I was making this without them knowing that my video exists or like before I release my video, they'd probably just say that I was scamming people because of how like ridiculous this sounds like, oh yeah, it's (laughs) going to generate realistic audio. It's going to be so cool, man. Trust me. But, uh, yeah, all I have to do is I have to take what already exists, polish it a little bit, make like a nice user interface. I'm assuming that people trust me that it's actually going to work because it already works now and I've given it away for free basically. But yeah, it's, it's, I I think it'll be pretty interesting.
0: Okay. All right. I said, was there something else you wanted to to talk about? And you just spurred two thoughts with me. Okay. Okay. One, when you polish this, are you going to put it on Steam?
1: Yeah, that's the plan.
0: Are you going to charge for it when it's on Steam?
1: I'm not planning to charge that much for it. So... Between 10 and 20 dollars, probably closer to 10, um, but I haven't like completely decided yet. But yeah, it's just going to be like sort of an inexpensive pseudo game tool type thing. It's not like a, it's not going to have a story mode or a campaign or anything like that. It's just going to be similar to the one that already exists, just better and easier to use.
0: That sounds awesome. And you remind me, like when you talk about this and we talk about engine simulator and playing these simulation games. This reminded me of another game that I've really enjoyed. Have you played Townscaper by chance?
1: I have not, actually.
0: So I think you you would probably enjoy looking at Townscaper and what's underneath. Have you followed any of the work that's been done with Wave Function Collapse?
1: Yeah, I've seen a lot of people. um, I did something similar to that in a different video. Like, I don't know if you saw my channel, but I had another video about like a random office generator for like another game project that I worked on. Yeah, I saw like a lot of work on YouTube of people using wave function collapse and like all this other stuff to generate like cool procedurally generated stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely interesting.
0: Well, thank you very much for taking the time. It was fascinating to watch all of this explode. It was fascinating to get to pick your brain on this. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me on. I mean, uh, yeah, it's been great talking to you. And I, and, and I, I feel like this is finally going to get some of the backstory out because I've considered making a video about it. But I just, uh, I don't know, like it just doesn't fit in really with my content. Like I'm not like a drama channel or anything. Hopefully this will give people some insight into what happened behind the scenes and how that whole because I I haven't really made like a much of a statement about it publicly about how like the code went down or that kind of stuff. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for talking to me about all this It's really good.
0: All right. I will put links in the show notes and we'll make sure uh, people can get to your community information. All right. Excellent. Thanks for tuning in for this episode of Fish Shells. For show notes from this episode and more information about the show, visit leetrout.com. Music production by Haroon Srang. We'll see you next time.